We have a very special interview tonight with author Drew Graffia talking about his brand new book. Listen, you're going to be encouraged tonight. You're going to be edified, uh, which is really good, especially in these chaotic times with everything happening in the world. There's a lot of fear. So I really think that you are going to be thoroughly blessed by tonight's show. Uh, Just so you know, if you do want to be updated on everything that's happening with the coronavirus, we posted several videos and updates this week on our YouTube and Facebook page. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and well, now enjoy this incredible interview with Drew Graffia. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Zach Drew. I'm telling you right now that we have a really awesome show planned for you today. We have author Drew Graffia uh, with us on the program today. He has just written a brand new book called The Warrior Priest Mindset. It's awesome. And it really, I mean, it really is a good book. It's very controversial. It talks about things like uh, feminism, some toxic masculinity, abortion, new age teachings, church corruption. And really, so it's controversial. I mean, we could just, we could do many shows on this book, but it really gets into the dichotomy of of what it means to be a warrior for Christ, but at the same moment, a priest for Christ. Now, a little bit about Drew uh, Graffia. He's a former medieval times dinner and tournament knight. He's an avid researcher. He's actually the host of the show called The Radical Christian on the Daily Renegade media platform. They also have a YouTube channel. Check them out. And he is the author, like I said, of The Warrior Priest Mindset. Drew is married to Brie Graffia, with whom he has two beautiful cats, uh, and hopefully to be accompanied by children. Listen, I this is the, I'm reading the bio, and I love that that he has such a sense of humor. Uh, hopefully to be accompanied by children of their own very soon, Lord willing. Drew Graffia, it is great to have you on the show. So glad to connect. I've been wanting to have you on. I've been watching some of your shows. They're awesome. Thanks for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me, brother. I'm excited to be here as well and see what we get into today. Listen, before we get into it, I just got to ask, what's your cat's names? Amos and Eli. Amos and and Eli. That is <laughs> awesome. I Whenever I read that in your bio, I literally started busting up out loud. That was <laughs> hilarious. I appreciate your sense of humor. In these dark times, I mean, these in, in days, we, you know, when we're really having to get into our warrior mindset, it is good to laugh. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's good to treat the subject matter serious, but not ourselves seriously. Amen. So listen, you have your own show and it is like you said, it is a a serious show. It is uh, and you're funny within it, too, which is awesome. But it is serious. It it dives into tough topics. I I think it's a lot like the show that we're doing here, which is super cool. Um, You know, us millennials, we've got to stick together. But you're on Josh Mm -hmm. Peck's YouTube channel called The Daily Renegade. Tell us a little bit about your show and even even how you got hooked up with The Daily Renegade and Skywatch TV family. Well, the way I got hooked up with them was I just set out to make a YouTube channel. I was was like, you know what? I have all this knowledge. I'm going to do something with it. If it helps one person, then that's all I need. So I, I started learning the programs, Photoshop, um, Premiere, and just, just putting something together. And you can tell my, my very first one was one of my first times using those programs because uh, the audio was way out of whack. 
But um, I just wanted to give people the passion that I had for the Bible and, and these, these topics. And I wanted to show them that, hey, there's much more to the Bible than you may have heard. And if it's dry and if you're reading it and it's not, it's not firing you up, then you're reading it wrong pretty much. You, you're, not, you're not getting, the, hang, you're not getting the, the, the true gist of it, the purpose of it. So I set out to make this channel that just fired people up for, for the Bible in the same way that I would. And one of, my, one of my goals was to never try to be a person on the Internet, never try to be a personality, if that makes sense. I just always just, hey, I'm going to be 100% myself. And that means I'm going to joke a lot. That means I'm going to do my thing. And it'll resonate with, with people because they'll know that it's just, this is exactly what it is. We're talking about the Bible. We're having fun. And there's no agenda. And then um, Josh actually saw it. He watched it for a couple weeks. And then he finally reached out to me. And he said, hey, uh, I want to come have you over and, and have a talk with you about some future, some future um, uniting maybe. And then we went and we talked and we, we hit it off. And it was, um, we got along right away. And he's like, I would like to have you on my platform. So his platform is Daily Renegade, and it's basically the Netflix of Fringe Christianity. So YouTube was always stifling Josh and, and oh, yeah. shadow banning his channels. You know how that whole thing goes. And um, basically, he started to make his own platform. He wanted to bring his own Christian brotherhood, basically. And he invited me to that. I got onto that. And um, while I was at his house that one time, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I eventually want to publish books. And I was like, well, I wrote a book. Um, I don't know if you want to read it. <laughs> and he actually read it. He published it, and the rest is history. And now that's here I am. awesome. I love it, and I love what you said earlier. You know, I the Bible is exciting. The Bible is a crazy, incredible adventure. It's an incredible love story. It's jam packed with action, and so many people. I see so many Christians that are boring, and 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 I've always thought to myself, I don't believe. Listen, if you're a boring Christian you were probably boring before you became a Christian because Christianity, true biblical Christianity does not make a person boring. Let me tell you that right now. So your book is titled the warrior priest mindset and much of it. It really does sound like it's a, a medieval storybook. What, what made you start uh, each chapter with that in mind, and even with fictional stories and fictional poems, what what was your inspiration behind that? Well, my inspiration behind that was obviously my my back my background as a knight that played into it. So ever since I was younger, I loved the knight, anything knight related, anything medieval motifed, and I would just that's just the areas where I would be drawn into. So I'm a big believer in you know you're fearfully wonderfully made and God made you unique for a reason. So you are to be who you are. So when I did something, I was like I'm I'm going to put the knight spin on this for sure. And I just wanted people to be in that realm. I wanted to create a picture of uh, this is a medieval type kind of take on what we're looking at because I wanted it to be, you know, awesome to, to be to be frank with you. I wanted it to be awesome and I wanted it to translate like, hey, we're going to have fun. The same th thing with my channel. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about these serious topics. I'm going to give you serious positions on them. But then also, hey, here, here's a story of how it applies, but through the eyes of a knight. But, while, just, but while, while you were a knight in California, you were actually a warrior priest knight. I mean, like in, in that fictional scenario, you were a warrior priest knight, right? What is, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm asking that, it, were you that? And I think you were. And what is that? What is it? What is a warrior priest? What is the warrior priest mindset? So the character I played more often than not, his name was Lord Santiago. Now he was the warrior priest. He was the only one who had a, a religious kind of connotation to his backstory. 
and that always I, I that always struck me as as just very unique. Now I always thought of the lion and the lamb, you know, Christ's dual nature. That always stuck out to me in the Bible, and I just thought that I was just for some reason it just stuck with me. So when I saw the warrior priest, I was like, oh man, this guy is just like that. He's a warrior and he's a priest. And then um, the warrior priest mindset is basically the mindset I've had for years, but I was finally able to put down on paper of how I approach a lot of these these biblical topics and biblical things like a lot of these um, parables and stuff like that, things that we need to apply to our lives. I approach it with what I call the warrior priest mindset. And it, it's kind of, I get into that into detail in the book. And the Bible, I mean, the Bible's the greatest knight's tale ever written. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So your your book has a lot to do with spiritual warfare and, and mm-hmm. how we are Christians. We're, we're forced into that fight. Whether we like it or we, not, or we don't, we're on that battlefield already. And what would you say, what kind of warfare are we facing in this day and age that Christians need to wake up to right now? Well, we are seeing an all-out attack on not only humanity as a whole, but identity. And that's the reason why I started my book off with how the king views his knights. So in order to to not be confused about genders, not be confused about what, what you think you should have been born as, you need to know who you actually are. And the way you do that is by knowing who God says you are. It's not who you think you are. You don't create your own way. You find out who God says you are. So I start the, the book with that. And then we go into the other things because that, that is so important because right now we, we see it biblical femininity and biblical masculinity both being attacked and we see the family as a whole being attacked now more than ever it's always been under attack but now more than ever it's been ramped up to where the lines are being blurred everything's being kind of pieced apart everybody's being put in the roles they weren't equipped for and it's just to weaken people as a whole and that's what we're seeing the most of today Amen. You know, I feel like this whole thing about toxic masculinity, I, I understand that toxic masculinity is a real thing. Okay. I, I, but I am a f- believer that it is a fraction of what they make it appear to be. And really basically just true masculinity of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a man biblically. That is what they simply label as toxic masculinity. Being a man today in today's culture is simply a bad thing. And because being a man is a bad thing, they label it as what? They label it as toxic. And there is a biblical uh, feminism to be, but they have a, they have, they have hijacked that too. So now that toxic femininity, I I can't even say that word right now. That is what is to be uh, sought after. But this warrior priest mindset, the, this idea of the lion and the lamb, I feel drew that. And, 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 and you talked about it in your book that because of the attack on men, when we just look at men today in the church, I literally just, I, I get this image that the goal of what it means to be a man in modern day churches is to be a good little Sunday school boy. And that's my, that's my image. I just imagine all the little boys um, standing in a line and Jesus kind of just patting their head and giving them gold stars Mm -hmm. and saying, you're doing a really great job at being a good boy. But it's like, where's the warrior? And I understand, Drew, that your book, it talks about how it's a balance. And maybe we can look at church history and see at sometimes we kind of took too much of the warrior mindset and we kind of um, weaponized Christianity, some false 
Christians did. And at other times, which is I feel like where we're at right now, we are out of balance to where we are too soft. We mm-hmm. are too we, we are too soft and we're not we're not man enough. Where is where's the balance in this? Well, the the thing that pe- basically biblical masculinity is dangerous. It is powerful. So the world as a whole does not want you to be a, a biblical biblically masculine man if you are a male. They do not want that because you are powerful. You will make change. You will you will stand up for what's right. You will stop the the agendas and plans that they're they're trying to force upon our families. So you you eliminate the the head of the household, you eliminate the whole household. So a lot of people think, you know, masculinity in the church is behavior modification. It's just, you know, you were good, you had restraint and restraint is a big part of, you know, the being a warrior. But it's not all of it. You have to be able to stand up for what's right. And, and a lot of times taking a stand can be uncomfortable. It's not what you want to do a lot of times, but it's what's right. And we have too many men just being passive shells of themselves. And when you, when you think of men like Joshua in the yeah. Bible, yeah, that, that's what I'm you. Give us, give us some examples of these, of these in the Bible, these warrior priests. Okay, well, you have, you have David. He was a man of war. He wasn't even allowed to build the temple because his hands were covered in war from what God had him do to, to wipe out the remnant you know, of the Nephilim clans that Joshua left behind. He, he took out Goliath at 14. And the thing is, you look at what he went into that battle with. He, he denied Saul's armor. He didn't bring a sword of his own. He went in with a sling and, and five stones. And the thing is, if you're a warrior for God, you don't, you don't have to think, oh, they're talking about masculine men. I have to be some big buff, you know, macho man. It's like, no, you don't, because David walked in there with nothing, and God provided everything he needed. He provided the sword to chop off his head. He provided the courage. All David did was focus on God, and that's that thing. It's like, are you going to focus on circumstances, or are you going to focus on your God? And that's a biblical man. And even at a boy of 14, he was a biblical man. And it's just you you are made to fight. So it's whether you're going to fight against right or wrong. Amen. And David, so David was more of that warrior mindset. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of seeing how Solomon, he would have kind of been more of that lamb mindset, right? Exactly. You see, And they Solomon, go together, though. Like, there there mm-hmm. has to be a blend. Yeah. And you see, David had David had a, a priest side as well. But for him, his warrior side was more emphasized. And I, I believe we're all like that. We have an area where we tend to lean towards, but we do need to have some sort of balance. And you look at Solomon, he built the temple. He was wise beyond his years. He asked for more wisdom, and he he led in that way. Now, w- with all these these mindsets you want to look at, there's also the counterfeit version. So with Solomon, he became what's called a counterfeit priest. So he started, you know, a counterfeit t- priest. That's interesting. Yeah, he started tainting the way that he, his 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 basically his strengths in in the priesthood area. They could also be his weaknesses because he started to let other gods in. He started to worship other gods. And, that's, and that's interesting. Kinda, yeah, and the same thing goes with the warrior. You know, da- the counterfeit warrior. David it, David fell into the victimhood of being a counterfeit warrior when he went after Uriah the Hittite and basically killed him so he could have his wife. So he used his strength, his power, for bad, for harm, to hurt somebody else. And and that's another a, a way of masculinity that gets tainted in our view. Sometimes we see masculine people as just overpowering, overbearing, um, just powerhouses, and that's not the case. Now, you brought up Joshua. I'm interested in what you have to say about 
I'm Joshua. You know, we we at this ministry, we have a very strong uh, connection to to the biblical character of Joshua of the Old Testament. You know, the show that that we're on right now, it's it, it's the Zach Drew show. Right. Mm-hmm. But the covering of what I've named everything, because I believe we're going to have multiple shows and different facets of of this ministry. The covering of everything, I named it IGBY, which is an acronym. And it's an acronym that stands for I go before you. The promise that God gave to Joshua in Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 31 to be strong and to be courageous because he is going to go before you, but he will still be with you. That is kind of what our mandate we feel here at the ministry is because so it's very interesting that you said earlier that Joshua was a type of warrior and we do have our tendencies of what we tend. And if I feel like if I kind of swing more towards one way or the other, we, my, well, my goodness, we named it IGBY. It's more of a, a, a warrior type mm-hmm. of, of, of ministry. Where I know our vision here is to help lead a wandering generation into the promised land. And that promised land today is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But we also know that our we feel a mandate here is to expose the deeds of darkness. See, Joshua was called to destroy the occultic high places of worship and to, to get those places out and to reclaim land for the Lord. So I'm interested to what, hear what you have to say about Joshua. Oh man, Joshua is is probably my favorite person in the Bible. He, really? Oh yeah, you you know he'll go out before you. Basically, he was empowered by Jesus himself. Jesus himself showed up before the battle as the angel of the Lord, the man the man drawn with the sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua was basically directly saw saw seen over by the angel of the Lord. When you look at Joshua, and he's always told, "Be strong, and courageous. Be strong, and courageous." You don't tell that to somebody who is strong and courageous. So I'm of the belief that Joshua was not a particularly strong and courageous man um, when it came to what he was going to be facing. Because when you hear about demonic attacks and all that and how that terrifies people, sleep paralysis, all that kind of thing, those are the same spirits that he was fighting, uh, but he was hmm. fighting the embodied version. So you have you, you you know he was going to be fearful going into that. That's why I, I right there. I'm mm-hmm. just I'm having fun right now because you're you're ministering <laughs> to me right now. I don't know if you know that part of my testimony, Drew, was that up until I was 18 years old, I was bound by a spirit of fear. I'm talking the most radical um, anxiety, the most radical panic attacks. I was the opposite of what you refer to as strong and and courageous. But I feel that the Lord gave me a mandate. And because of that, it's a long story. But the Lord literally completely healed me of my, my anxiety by spending radical time with him in his presence. He healed me from it. So therefore, I wasn't strong. I wasn't courageous. And yet he made me into a strong and courageous man for his glory that's so awesome like you're ministering to me right now well one of the coolest things about joshua that that always stuck out to me as a kid um was when moses and him went into the tent to meet with the lord joshua left or moses left and joshua stayed after and i always pictured man joshua stayed for more time with the lord he spent more time with him and god knew he would one day rule his people so he was preparing him so when moses the current leader went to go on and lead and go do go to be the star of the show so to speak um, Joshua stayed behind, and that just gives me the chills thinking of that. He was there with the Lord for extra time, more preparation, because maybe he needed it more. But the yeah. thing was, that was his priest side as well. So he he had a priest side, but but obviously his warrior side, he whooped the Nephilim all across the Promised Land. Yeah, he did. You know, and, and, and you know, it's just so crazy because 
So he was mentored by Moses, which was more of the priestly mindset mm-hmm. than the warrior mindset. And and that's who my mentor is and was for seven and a half years was Jim Baker. And he was constantly, you know, compared to that of, of a Moses in his generation. But that that's so cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm just sitting here getting ministered by you. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Listen, I love your book. Uh, one of the things I like about I like about your book is that it really isn't made for it's like <clears throat> Chuck Mister used to always say that the word of God is shallow, uh, shallow enough for a child to wash in it, but deep enough for an elephant to wade in it, saying you can go as deep as you want. And that's kind of when I was look, you know, reading your book. It's like this is made for the mature Christian. But it was also made for the child as well. And I, I think that really you were just anointed in, in writing it. So, and listen, before we go on, we're gonna, we have about eight or nine minutes left. Where can people go and get your book? What is the easiest place to go and get your book? The easiest place is on Amazon.com. It's the Amazon.com. Okay. Yeah. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to put that description in our link below this video. Just type in the warrior priest mindset. We'll have the link below. And is there another place that they can get it? Just that place. That place. Okay. So that's where now, it'll yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Now, something that, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here talking with Andrew Bellers and he's researching it and, and he's telling me, like, I guess that this like really is a thing. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this. Something that you mentioned in your book that was brand new for me. Maybe I'm just years behind. I had never heard about it before. But in your book, you talk about the belief in ancient Judaism that there were actually two messiahs. Now, we know that there's only one messiah, mm-hmm. but you're talking about the ancient belief that mm-hmm. there was two messiahs. Talk about this concept and how it actually is. It plays right in to this warrior priest, this lion and, and lamb. Talk about this concept and what it teaches us about the nature of our God. So our God is a dual-natured being. He has the warrior and the priest, the lion and the lamb. Now, you had all these, or the, the ancient Jews had all these prophecies in the Bible about a conquering king who would come and save them from their troubles, deliver them, rule, and just put, set everything straight. Then they had, they had also this other set of prophecies, seemingly different set, of someone who would come and die and be a sacrifice and get beaten down and, and taken advantage of. Now, without the, the benefit of you know, 2020 vision, they, they saw these, these seemingly contradicting set of verses, and they said, you know what? This has to be two people. This has to be the conquering king and the suffering servant. Now, when Jesus came, he came as the priest, the lamb, the suffering servant first. So when they saw him, they're just like, they were waiting for the conquering king because they were in some some dire straits. And then they saw the suffering servant and they're just like, this can't be our guy. This can't, this, this can't be him. He's getting beat by the Romans. This can't be our guy. And then when he dies, which was the ultimate plan all along, when he dies, they're just like, man, this, this, this can't have been him no matter what now because he's, he died. So they missed the boat on who, who Jesus really was because they were only looking for one side of his dual nature, and they only so could fathom. Interesting. Yeah, they so could they were, they were the expecting what your book referred to as the Messiah Ben David, mm-hmm. not the Messiah Ben Joseph. And and it's the David, which was the king, the warrior, mm-hmm. and the Joseph. Explain the difference between those two, the Joseph one. Messiah Ben Joseph, the, the purpose of the suffering servant 
was to be the sacrifice. So you think of a lamb, the, the sacrificial lamb, that's Jesus. He, his purpose was to first be the sacrifice. Then, and it's so like him, because first he gives you, you know, he gives you the mercy, he gives everyone the chance. And then when he comes back as the conquering king, that's justice. That's, that's fair. He's coming back to set it straight. And it, just like my book gets into the counterfeits, here's another one that's really important. There is a counterfeit rider on the white horse. So Jesus is coming back on the white horse. Before him, there's a counterfeit who looks just like him, uh, described as being on a white horse, described as given the ability to conquer. And this is the counterfeit. And he takes those traits that Jesus will be coming with, and he perverts them. Just like the enemy is like a roaring lion, he's a perverted version of the lion, a corrupted version. Is that, are you referring to the first horseman in Revelation chapter 6? Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, we just have a few more minutes left. I know that you briefly touched on it, but it's just, it's so important. Um, it's one of those type of things where unfortunately in church, it seems like we hear about it so often that it's lost its value, and I hate it. How important is the armor of God? I know that your book addressed mm -hmm. it in depth. Mm-hmm. So the armor of God is, you know, a, a lot of people, and I used to think this way, where, where you pray for it and it's on you, and, and whenever you pray for it, you equip it. And um, basically, you, you can do nothing without it. it. The armor of God, here's, the, here's the, the big reveal for you. It's Jesus. Christ's righteousness is your breastplate. You know, the peace of the gospel of his truth, your, your feet are shod with. The, belt of, the, bel the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, the truth, and who's the truth? Jesus. When, when Pontius Pilate says, you know, what is truth? Jesus is truth. So the helmet of salvation, he's our salvation. So he is the armor. So how do you equip the armor of God? You walk as Jesus walked. You follow him. You, you do what he did in those situations. When he's dealing with people, when he's interacting, he's, he's not saying an eye for an eye anymore. He's saying, you know, love your brother, which is hard. It's hard when people come after you and you have to decide to love your brother, even though they do not deserve it. But this is the armor of God. It's walking with Jesus. Amen. And we have to walk with Jesus. We have to have that armor of God to fight our enemies uh, and in the in the realms unseen. And I know that you've had experiences with that realm, haven't mm -hmm. you? Oh, yeah. Yep. And they made a mistake by messing with me because they pushed me right into the Father's arms. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Listen, there was so much that we couldn't get into so many questions that we couldn't even ask you. I'm just going to address the audience right now. And I want to just say, you know what? If you were going to send us $20 this week, I just going to ask you that you would just go and purchase a uh, drew Graffia's book. This guy is solid and he is a millennial, just like myself, just like the team here at IGBY. And the thing is, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, it's kind of like uh, youth groups. Youth groups can't do a great deal because, well, youth groups don't have the abundance that big church has, right? So I'm just going to ask you to fund uh, another millennial this week, um, be it Drew Graffia, and go and purchase his book. The link is in uh, this, this, the description below. Click on it. If you're not watching on Facebook or YouTube, simply just go to Amazon yourself and uh, type in the warrior priest mindset and purchase that book for uh, the expanse of not only will you be blessed by reading this book, you're going to bless Drew and his ministry as well. What's the response been to your book so far, Drew? A lot of people said it, it fired them up to read the Bible. And that's exactly what my prayer was for the book. And just 
they just said they've been excited. And, and another big thing they've said, it was convicting, which is perfect because it convicts me too because I by no means figured out everything in the book and, and I apply it every single day. Um, I fall short too, and it convicts me when I go back and read it. So just Amen. conviction, and it fires them up, and that's that's the greatest thing I could hope to hear from it. Amen. Listen, Drew, uh, it's been a joy to have you on the show. When they read your book, they're going to want to get connected with you. They're going to want to start watching your show. They're going to probably want to come and see you. So let me. do you have any conferences are coming up that you, you could tell the people about? Yes, at the end of this month, March. This um, month? The, yeah, okay. 27th, 28th, 29th. And in Newark, Ohio, I have the Nephilim Mounds Conference with Russ Dizdar, Chief Joseph Riverwind, and L.A. Marzulli. Oh. And then in October, the last week of October, I'll be in uh, Freedom's Light Church in Atlanta, Georgia area for uh, the Southern Appalachian Prophecy Conference. So those are the two right now, and I can't wait for them both. Amen. Drew, it was a pleasure having you on. I uh, can't wait to have you back on the program again. Thank you, brother. It was great talking with you. We'll see you guys next week.